You are listening to the Fantasy Joes Podcast, your weekly dose of fun and unique fantasy football talk with a focus on Dynasty. And now, here are your hosts, Trey Barrett, Will Greenwood, and Ryan Livergood. That's right. We are the Fantasy Joes. I'm Ryan Livergood at Rotor Librarian. We've got Trey Barrett and Will Greenwood, and a very special guest in the house is one of our favorites. She's never been on the show. She is the co-host of the UTH podcast, though, site contributor to UTH. She's a Debbie guru. She's incredibly smart and savvy uh, when it comes to Dynasty. It's Katie Flower, everybody, at FF underscore Skylar. 399 on Twitter. Katie, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Uh, thank you so much for having me. We're thrilled to have you. We've been talking about this for a long time. Uh, we want to have you on the show. We're going to focus on Debbie, but talk about everything really related to Dynasty. So I'm glad that we could connect. Yeah. And, you know, I think a lot of people have heard you on the UTH free podcast. And I'm not trying, I'm not going to hammer subscribe to the UTH, but the Joes have done it. And really, it's on the premium side of things that. there's just really unbelievable content and and you're amazing on this podcast so just our listeners get a taste of that tonight you're also amazing on the free podcast from (laughs) thanks you're awesome so we're thrilled to have you so i'll I'll hammer it home you should subscribe to uth it's been an amazing experience for me there's a ton of information in there where you become a better and smarter dynasty player so even if you don't 100 percent you know agree with everything that's being said or talked about uh you are better off from having it They've been a big supporter of us, and so I'd like to be a big supporter of them. Yeah, and and that's the thing about Dynasty and fantasy football in general. You're not going to always agree with everybody. I don't agree with everything that Chad says or that Tim says or that Jordan says, but I think that we have a majority baseline uh, and a, a good respect and understanding with each other and for each other. So if you can get any kind of tidbits, my main thing, I've always been the, the person with the strategy. So when it comes to dissecting, uh, you know, scoring and positions and how do you uh, draft a team that's going to be uh, killer for years and years to come, that's my forte. More so than player evaluation, that's more down Chad's uh, alley. But I, I learn a lot from all the guys and contribute as much as I can. I love it. Yeah, Katie, that's why I love listening to you in particular because you are all about the strategy. And when, when I say that in the introduction, I mean it. Like you, you, it's it's very obvious how thoughtful you are about your dynasty teams, and and you you put a lot of thought and strategic thinking into you know every draft you approach and your trades. So we're excited to dive into a little bit of that tonight. And, and really, we want to pick your brain specifically on Devi. And for our listeners that don't do Devi, I think you want to still listen to the show because we're going to talk a lot about this 2020 rookie class that's getting hyped up. Um, so we want to pay attention to that. College football um, is just weeks away when this show comes out. So who to watch if you watch college football casually, kind of like I do these days, we'll want to know who to watch when college football starts. So Katie, my first question for you basically is with Devi, <laughs> what, what's, some, what's some general advice? So the nice thing about Devi is you get to pick a guy in college and then it makes watching college football that much more exciting. I love watching both college football as as well as the NFL. But if you're new and you want to get into the format, I would highly recommend it. And I would join a shallow Debbie league first. I would look for a startup where they have the rookie and the Debbie draft as separate drafts so that it helps you learn player value. It helps you learn 
trade value for future picks because the future picks will be watered down based on how many guys have been drafted. If you're in one or two uh, rounds of Debbie, that's 12 to 24 players that are already off the board. Not everybody hits though. So you may be talking the, the top six players of a particular draft class but somebody falls through the cracks and it, and it seems to, to be that way in Superflex a lot where our Carson Wentz comes out of nowhere and nobody took him in Debbie. And now all of a sudden that 101 rookie is very, very valuable. But the 102 may be a player that's going in the second round. It's that big of a, a drop off potentially. And you never know. Katie, the way you made it sound there, though, might be intimidating to some people that want to get into Debbie because it's like, oh, I my gosh. Not. It's like so this, much fun. Yeah, yeah, the, the settings, <laughs> what? The 101, 102 is so different. So. I don't want to scare anybody. I want to bring them in. <laughs> no, I, like, I think you're right because that's the way I think most of us have approached it. I know um, for me a year ago, I, I joined a league with uh, – actually, the Debbie component was, was pretty major because I think at least I rostered five, six, seven Debbies. But – but yeah, like the the more you do it, the more comfortable you get. And and so far it's been a lot of fun. And it's interesting how values change. And I think that's the interesting thing too, where, you know, I, I took Cam Akers in that first Debbie League and I felt really good about that. And now I don't know if I feel feel as good. And but. I think you still should. And that's the thing. Um your your Debbie your taxi squad is kind of like a 401k portfolio. You want to diversify. You don't want to have all your eggs in one basket, but you want to kind of set it and forget it uh, until there's some hype building. If you don't necessarily believe in a player and you've got them on your team and you took them later in the draft and, and they st they're starting to peak with some value, uh, that may be a good time to trade them while they're still in college and while there's good buzz and trade them for a safer asset, somebody that's already in the NFL that already was a first or second round uh, NFL pick that's already contributing to the team. And then keep the guys on your taxi squad that you do believe in, that you really are looking forward to having them come out like a DeAndre Swift. I would absolutely not sell any shares of DeAndre Swift or Justin Ross at this point they're looking good. They're productive. They've got everything that you're looking for in a college player that will eventually make it to the pros and make it big, in my opinion. And so those are the guys that you do not want to trade. But if you've got a guy like a Malachi Dupree on your team that you question or an uh, Equinemia St. Brown, there was a lot of question marks about him and guess what? He never did make that first or second round of the NFL and he's way behind guys that were drafted later than him. So uh, the, the hit rate in Debbie is not all that high. Your highest percentage is on running backs. You got about a 35% chance of hitting on a college running back if you're looking at the, the proper profile. And what I mean by proper profile, you don't want to draft a 165-pound weakling as a freshman who's 5'10 and 165 pounds, even if he's 4'4". At that, at that weight, he should be fast. But what happens, you know, your prototypical NFL uh, stud running back is in the BMI of at least 30 to 32. So 215 to 225 pounds is optimal. To expect a kid to put on 65 pounds in four years, make it to the NFL and still be a 4-4 speed, and be able to cut and, and make the moves, that's not that realistic. But if you're starting with a freshman like a Cam Akers last year uh, that was 200 pounds, 205 pounds, 
yeah, you can expect them to put on 20 pounds of good muscle over their next three or four years. And uh, then it's just a matter of, do they get the opportunities in college that you expected them to? Uh, being a five-star athlete itself is not a real good indicator. There are guys that come in as two stars and three stars that just develop a little bit later. So there's there's no real hard and fast rules on on what's going to hit and what's not going to hit. Uh, but like I said, running backs have about 35% chance, wide receivers about 23% from my uh, research. Tight ends are really bad at 12%. And unless it's tight end premium where you have to start two tight ends, I wouldn't even draft a Debbie tight end at all. And quarterbacks are 6%. But, and again, that's not that high. You look at a guy like a Christian Hackenberg that was all the rage after his freshman season and then he ended up being a big flop. There's a lot of guys that end up as flops, and it's not even necessarily uh, their skill set. It could be their head, what's between the ears. And, you know, are they off-field issues? Are they into drugs? And, you know, what kind of work ethic do they have? I'm always looking at that uh, to try to signify. When I watch an interview, I'm listening to the player. What are they saying? But I'm looking at their body language, and then I'm listening to their coaches. Do they like to work? When it becomes NFL and their job, they've got to be able to work. Everybody at that point is big and strong and fast. You've got to differentiate yourself. So there are some quarterbacks that I would take in a super flex or, or a triple flex where you can start three. But I'm very, very, very particular about uh, grabbing quarterbacks. I, I would rather load up on them in the startup draft get somebody that you can have for years and years so that you, you're not forced to pick a Debbie quarterback, then you can do it as a luxury. Once you get your taxi squad full and you feel like you've got a good bank of running backs and wide receivers that look like they're hitting and productive, then you can get riskier and then you can start taking some quarterbacks and rolling the dice on those high profile players. Katie, kind of taking that <clears throat> strategy and it's really cool to hear you talk about the percentages because I've always, I've always known, I don't, I don't consider myself to be a Debbie aficionado I'm in three or four Debbie leagues and, and actually I'm in the midst of doing a, uh, a startup right now that I'm co-owning with Caleb Barnett who um, is a UTH subscriber and uh, you know I think was he and another co-owner were featured on a we're actually Ryan and I are in a, a league that he commissions it's a Debbie league a pretty deep Debbie league um, I like but I like them yeah, yeah I like the so, deep Debbie leagues better once you get into it yeah, so I'm I'm kind of just dipping my toes, um, but I wanted to find out that you know hearing those percentages are is, is very interesting to me. I wanted to find out for you, uh, kind of taking it to the next level, is there a um, hierarchy based on like for instance the 2020 class versus the 2021 class versus is it more how far out they are as far as hitting the NFL or is it more what they've done if if they had a big freshman season are you you more likely to take someone that's already had the college production? Are you, are you fine then to wait longer? Would you prefer to kind of have players that are going to be in the NFL sooner? So there's, you know, less time for them to, you know, make mistakes or, or struggle or whatnot. What, what's your thought process as far as their year, how, the year they are in college, how far they are from the NFL? There's a lot in that question, so I'll break it down a little bit at a time. Uh, it depends on the league and how many taxi squad spots that, that you have. If, if it's a shallow league, one round, two rounds, 12 to 24 players, then I want somebody that's going to be 
as the best player available that's the closest available. And the 2020 class is loaded. So really with a one round or a two round, you shouldn't have to go much beyond the 2020 class to get the talent that you need in your Devi. There may be a couple standouts from 2021. And if I felt that, let's say that I had the 12th overall pick in both rounds, if I felt that there is a better 2021 player available than the ones that are left on the board, I'm not afraid to take that extra year and just put them on my taxi squad. I have played in some Devi leagues though that are shallow where they're rostered players. And it takes up room for a, a regular NFL veteran. So depending on how many uh, starters that you need and, and the depth that you need at each position, I don't want to handcuff myself to a player that's going to be two to three years down the road if I'm going to need that for an NFL veteran. But if I've got a taxi squad, I'm going to go with what I consider the best player available regardless of the class. If it's a deeper league, if it's a shallow league, I want to get the guys – best player available that's closest to being in the NFL. And that's just mainly because the more information you have about a player, the better percentage you have of hitting on that player. Not a guarantee. I'll give you a good example. I loved Elijah Holifield as a freshman before he even became a freshman at Georgia. I love Georgia running backs. I love the SEC. Everybody that's listened to me knows I've got an SEC bias. I'll admit it. But there's a proven fact there's a lot of SEC players in the NFL. So that alone, the competition helps kind of steel sharpen steel type of thing. But I loved Elijah Holifield. I love Georgia running backs and his profile. He was a good size. His dad was an athlete, big boxer, and he knows how to work. He, he was built. You look, he was a track guy and he was running like, uh, I believe 21, 22 miles an hour in high school. So I figured, okay, the kid's got size and speed and he's going to Georgia. That's a heck of a prospect. But then there were grumblings in his sophomore year. He was hitting the, you know, the dope at 420 and, uh, you know, he wasn't working as hard and I was starting to get scared for my stock. I still did hold on and you know, he didn't run anywhere near that fast at the combine. And now he, he, you know, he's a big bust. That's the thing. You can't always tell, even if he had an optimal profile, everything I said about him, I would still draft him over again. If it were a different kid with that same profile, I would take that shot 10 times out of 10, even though he particularly didn't happen to hit just because I've had others that, that are more likely to hit if that makes any sense. So shallow league, go for the best player available in the closest class available. And in the deeper leagues, go with best player available, regardless of draft class, you've got a deep enough taxi, you can, you can, you know, diversify that portfolio, I try to get two or three players from each class, as what I consider the best players available from that class. But if I'm on the clock, and I'm looking between two players, I'm not looking at their draft year in a deeper league. I'm looking at, you know, who do I think that I can wait to get at my next pick versus who's got the hotter name in the different rankings and different sites right now. So Katie, tell us about this 2020 rookie class. What's your take on it? Is it going to live up to the hype? I mean, should we just, you know... I've been one of the ones hyping it. So yes, <laughs> I do. I do think it's going to. And even if three or four of the guys stay in college, and, and let's face it, they always do. 
um, it's going to be a strong class. Chad and I have already done a, a rookie mock draft for the 2020. We went two rounds and we decided to go with Superflex, not tight end premium, but we did a mock draft and we did two rounds and, and didn't even blink. That's how deep it was. And even if three or four of those guys stay in school, there were three or four more that could have made the second round. We talked about it. It's like, man, we could keep going for a third round. Let's play four. So yes, it is everything it cracks up to be. It's going to be running back centric, but there are some very good wide receivers as well. Uh, and when we talk about that uh, draft coming up, we can hit more on the players unless you want me to touch on anybody in particular right now. No, no. no. And it's interesting because people in the know, like, like you and Chad, uh, Paul and Matt was Saturday to Sunday. They just released a podcast talking about the 2020 class. They're the same way. They're, they're very high on the class. So it seems like people that know the Debbie world are really big on the rookie class. And, and we've talked about on our show, you know, when the, how, you know, how far do you let this go in terms of, uh, you know, like wanting to hold on to your 2020 picks? When does it make sense to um, trade some of those 2020 rookie picks to get amazing value now? And I think I, the, the jury's still out and it, it just depends. Obviously, you know, it might get to a point where if you can get a, a you know, package that with a, with a player now to get, a, a, you know, an elite talent, then you might want to do it. So, so before we get into that, like, are you ho holding those 2020 picks for dear life? When, when do you feel comfortable with, with making a trade, dealing to 2021 for, to, to acquire a player that can help you this year? <laughs> the only time that I'll trade a 2021 is if I know ahead of time that I'm contemplating leaving that league i'm hoarding my 20 <laughs> i'm i'm hoarding my 2020 picks um and second round picks i would highly recommend first round picks are hard to come by nowadays because it is it's been a hyped class for a while now and people have been holding on to them but once you get into the season and players start to get hurt somebody's gonna come a calling with their 2021st and go ahead and feel free to grab as many as you can because even a 112 even a late first is going to be a very very good player i wouldn't pay the moon for it. that doesn't mean that you're going to increase the value of the trade pick so i wouldn't already say okay 101 is going to be this huge stud better than todd Gurley and saquon barkley had a child and uh named him fantasy joe and he's going to be <laughs> the, the uh you know prime time ultimate player to ever come down the pipe you don't you don't already pay up for the 101 with that expectation. You pay the normal price of a first round pick, expecting it to be middle of the pack to late. You don't want to value any pick. You know, this team is really bad. So I'm going to pay extra just because uh, I think, because if you pay extra because that pick's going to be bad and you're giving them somebody that's going to help their pick get higher, you're kind of messing yourself at the same time. Uh, but yes, I'm hoarding my own uh, 2021st there, like if I could get a Saquon Barkley because I've got, uh, you know, some first and I'm on a very competitive team and Saquon would make the difference of me winning a lot of money this year versus not, then yeah, absolutely. I would, I would give up a, a first and plus whatever the rest of the package was to get it. But I'm going to try to use players or anything else other than my 2021st and I would highly recommend if you can get seconds seconds are going to be just as valuable as deep as this class is and people aren't holding on as tight to their seconds as they are their firsts so that holds true both uh, one QB and Superflex leagues yes 
more so in Superflex. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And yeah. Even more so in Superflex, but even, even not Superflex, that holds true. All right. Very nice. All right. Guys, any questions before we get into this uh, W draft we found on Twitter? I, I was thinking we need a, a point of discussion, like a, uh, a point of reference for our conversation. And so, uh, of course, Twitter never fails, never disappoints. Um, <laughs> so we went on Twitter and um, at Dynasty Vince posted a Superflex Titan Premium uh, W draft that went down, I think, the last week of July. So it's uh, two points per perception for Titans. So a pretty decent Titan Premium. And so and yet I, only one freaking tight end was drafted. <laughs> How do you figure that? I, I, well, maybe they listened to you, Katie, because you talked yeah, about the hit rate ends. of tight ends. So, yeah. uh, well, <laughs> let's take the top two players first, because I've seen these two guys kind of go 101 overall in W drafts, depending on who's drafting. And it's Jerry Judy and DeAndre Swift. And, um, you know, Katie Bay, what you said earlier about Swift, it seems like you would have picked him if you had the, 101 overall or maybe you would have gone QB so how do you feel about those two guys in terms of the Debbie 101 right now right so this is super flex and tight end premium I am not sure that I would take these guys over the two quarterbacks however that being said if I was going to take anybody over those two quarterbacks it would be Swift and Judy and I would take them in that order Swift and then Judy. I love Jerry Judy. He's smooth as silk. He's got great hands. Um, I've watched almost as much Alabama football, again, because they are rivals with Arkansas. Everybody's rivals with Alabama, but uh, I've got a friend who likes Bama, and so I watch <laughs> a lot of Alabama, and I do love Jerry Judy, but I would take DeAndre Swift over him. Uh, and then the next two were the quarterbacks, Trevor Lawrence, quarterback from Clemson, Tua Tungavailoa from Alabama. And I think that's the correct order. I think Trevor is more talented, and I would wait for him over Tua. I think Tua is going to be great. He's a lefty. Um, he's not as big, but he's thicker. Uh, he's got a good arm, and he's smart, and he can run. So I don't think you can go wrong with any of those four in a top pick in a super flex Debbie draft. Okay. Yeah. So no major gripes there. Right. What about the next four? But players? then. <laughs> <laughs> well, Travis Etienne is, is, uh, is number five. Right. Um, then you got Jonathan Taylor, Justin Ross, and uh, LaVisca Chenault, if I said his name correctly. You the did. Guy that You're we, correct. We, yeah. So what, you want to dissect those next four? Sure. So I'd have Jonathan Taylor right after uh, Tua. And then I'd have Travis Etienne. I do think Travis is very talented, but I think that Jonathan Taylor is just a, a notch above. Uh, then I would have Justin Ross, and then I would have Rondell Moore. I would not have Lavishka Chanel even in my top 10 uh, of Devi. I think he's going to be one of those. He's being hyped right now. Uh, a lot of websites have him ranked highly. He's, he's one, in my opinion, he's that trap player. Um, I think he's a good athlete. I don't think he's a good wide receiver. And I think that he's the kind of guy that in the NFL is going to have to get the gimmicky plays to get him open. Uh, he is strong. He does make contested catches. He is athletic. I, I kind of think of Cordero Patterson when I think of Lavishka Chenault. Nothing wrong with the player, I, but it's just the kind of profile I'm not looking for for yeah, the NFL. That's interesting. Will, you want to chime in there on Chenault? Not to, I don't want you to be on the spot, but you, you're, you're pretty high on him going into the season, right? This is one of the guys you're watching. 
Well, I just uh, I, I caught a couple of Colorado games, and he's just a, a massive difference maker on that team, and that's not a good <clears throat> college football team overall. So, and at, but the the Cordell Patterson rings, I think, uh, true, and kind of hits hits home as a Vikings fan, especially. But, Sorry. Uh, <laughs> oh no, it's fine. I mean, like Vikings. I mean, I, I'm I'm an eternal optimist, so they're going to turn it around. <laughs> anyway, when it comes to Chenault. It's, a, it's, that, it's that big recruit going to a school that you didn't expect and now is the featured player. And maybe they're not challenging him enough. Maybe they're not you know, doing enough. I, I really want to see how he develops this season. He, you know, he, had, he got banged up a little bit in his freshman year and his sophomore year. And so when it comes to this year, I think it's going to be very interesting to see how he develops as a player. But overall, yeah, I'm pretty – he's that kind of alpha dog that I want in a wide receiver when I'm looking at Debbie. And not, I'm not a huge Debbie player, but when I'm looking at rookies and these guys kind of know my obsession isn't the, you know, the 5'10 the wide receivers. It's those little bit bigger guys, a little bit thicker, who still have a speed, the speed and athleticism component to them. Uh, but I do want to see him, it, like his, I think that comparison was great, but he needs to develop a little bit more. And if he doesn't, he'll just move down. That's fine. I'm very but would excited, you ta- Would you take him over a Rondale Moore? Uh, see, and I've also watched um, – so I went to Iowa, uh, and I watched Rondell Moore just pound Iowa into the ground. And – but uh, it just depends. It depends kind of what happens in these next few years. Rondell Moore is is somebody that I think I have a lot of questions about too uh, with, it, with his size and what he's going to end up being in the NFL. He's to tiny. me – he he is, but he he's thick. If you look at him, he's not he's not tiny like uh, C D Lamb skinny. He's he's thick like Brandon Cooks and and Tyreek Hill. And I think that he's actually to me kind of the best crossover between a Tyreek Hill Brandon Cooks uh, amalgamation of the two put together, uh, Frankenstein like. Um, and and freshman year with wide receivers, one of the biggest precursors to NFL success, early success and longevity success is early breakout age. And he broke out in spades and he looked great against uh, Ohio state, which is a nice litmus test for a wide receiver to be able to play against those defensive backs. Um, You know, yeah, it is big 10. It's not sec, but still, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, that Ohio state game, it's a lot harder. So yeah, that was a, it, that was a go, go ahead, sorry, sorry. Well, and if Rondell Moore would have gone to Penn State, he'd come out at like two twenty, right? Set some combine <laughs> records. <laughs> no, he's he's an exciting player to watch. I saw that that game. It was a Saturday night game when they played Ohio State, and and he just blew it up against Ohio State. So, and that put him on everyone's radar. If he wasn't there before, um, I'm, I'm a, blanking on it slightly. Who is the player from Georgia Georgia Tech though that was coming out this year? That he like it reminds me similarly of that that kind of like. Smaller speed specimen. Wow, why am I blanking? He's placed for the Jets now, undrafted free agent. Are you oh. talking about Wake Forest? Uh, Greg oh, yeah, Dorch. Wake Forest. Yeah, Dorch. Oh, Greg Dorch. Yeah, see, he doesn't remind me of – Dorch is, in my opinion, nowhere near Rondale Moore. All right, so Rondale Moore is moving up the board. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm totally fine with trusting you on that one. Yeah, but, so – so Moore went uh, at the ninth pick overall. Then right, Steelers. I would I would have moved him up a, a spot, uh, Rondell Moore over, and I would have moved Chenault down several more. But so you take uh, C.D. Lamb, Eno Benjamin, Cam Akers. Those are the next guys off the board. You you think Chenault- I put J.K. Dobbins in there before Eno Benjamin and uh, even before Lamb. I'd have Akers and Dobbins. Um, 
Jalen Rieger, uh, T. Higgins. I would absolutely have T. Higgins up there before uh, C.D. Lamb and before Eno Benjamin. So th- those guys in the middle, um, I'm not objecting to them and where they go. They've been going there in other drafts. That's the thing about Debbie. I call it the Wild West. So it really depends on the perspective of your league mates and what rankings they follow and some follow them blindly and by their second pick you can usually tell who it is and uh, who they're following and then you can look at the rankings and predict their next guy uh, or get fairly close and so that kind of may help you make a decision between drafting player a versus player b but uh, yeah it I wouldn't object vehemently against any of those guys being there uh, they should all be there in some some shape or form. And c- can we also rewind a little bit? Because we've had uh, conversations internally, Trey and Ryan, about Trevor Lawrence. And I think Trevor Lawrence is that next, like, Andrew Luck type, like a surefire stud. And, he, you know, he goes three in this draft, and you're totally fine with it. But he's that two years out quarterback. Can you just uh, maybe talk a little bit about him and why you feel so safe about where he is at that third spot? Just – He's he's got everything that you look for. He's got the poise. He's got the right team. He's got the right coach to take him to where he needs to be that next level. Uh, size wise, he's skinny as a toothpick, but he's tall and he can fill out. You know, even if it's just ten to fifteen pounds, I think uh, he could certainly fit that on his frame. Maybe even a little bit more than that to be NFL ready. But he doesn't seem to me to be a knucklehead. Uh, from what I've seen, he's got the work ethic and he's just a real chill guy. He just, nothing phases him. He's a leader and he, he's got that laid back feel to him. And just from what I've seen, he feels safe to me. Just like I, I I like Tua and I would, I've got those two real close, but if I've got a taxi squad, I have no problem in super flex taking him that high. Yeah. I I love Trevor Lawrence and it's almost like a love hate because he plays for Clemson, one of the best college football teams. You know, he's like, yeah. Everything you, you think a quarterback's going to be. And, but then he's, he's, he's nicely spoke. Like his interviews are great. He seems like a pretty relaxed person. Doesn't seem overly cocky, but just cocky enough. To, yeah. You gotta to, have you know, some of that there. swagger. He also leads receivers, but he also leads really great receivers. So that, that Clemson team and, and how they operate, I wonder how that's all going to play out when we're moving forward here, when we come into the NFL, uh, because they were, you know, wide receiver you for a while. Now there's been some questions coming out, uh, and uh, yeah, I, I just think I've, I've been trying. So I've only done a one real Debbie draft and I paid up for Trevor Lawrence. Uh, I think quite a bit compared to what people were expecting because I think he's a, a, a surefire unless something goes drastically wrong. He's such a safe pick. Yeah. But that's, you just mentioned something that's one of my uh, cardinal sins for Debbie and we haven't talked about it and this may be the wrong place to segue, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, I never trade up in a Debbie draft. If anything, I'm going to trade back and just, I want more Debbie picks because you can hit from anywhere. And so many people will discount those second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth round picks and throw them away. Like they're just candy wrappers. And you, my, my 4.11, it was the final round of Debbie draft last year. My 4.11 was Jerry Judy as one example. And my uh, other fourth round pick that I had was Josh Jacobs. 
Now you're not going to hit on all of them, but you can hit from anywhere, <laughs> yeah. right? So it, it, was, it, was an, it was an auction to defend myself a little bit. But. Right. No, but so, okay. So, like, so yeah, like, so that I'm makes extra different. dollars for that. that but, right. Yeah. You paid extra dollars. Okay. I, it, that makes more sense. But uh, so, yeah. But that was good information. But I think that's a that. great tip too about like not trading up, trading down because of the variance that you have in Debbie. It's so right. much higher. And it, there's, there's so much talent and not everybody's going to hit. So it's, it, it, that's why I always recommend people put eyes on the players themselves. Watch them. Don't just take a list of, you know, this guy's ranked higher by 10 spots. They still could be dead even. And you may like the guy that's 10 spots lower a lot better than the other guy. But if you won't know unless you watch them. Yeah, so. that's a great point. It, it's always amazing. I mean, not that I've been in too many Debbie drafts, but just guys that you think, oh, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna miss on him, but that's okay. And you wait, and then the next, your next pick, he's the, the guy you want is available. It, it does happen because you're right. People value these players so differently. And that first Devi league that I joined, uh, you mentioned Josh Jacobs. He wasn't even taken, so he was in. Right. He was the rookie. He was 101. one of those. Yeah, he was he one of those that brought the value because he slipped through the cracks, and it yeah. was easy to see why he did. Right. Right. He wasn't highly ranked. He played for Alabama. He wasn't getting as much playing time as. Uh, they had like uh, Najee Harris plus Damian Harris, the Harris brothers. They're not really brothers, uh, <laughs> you know, taking most of the load. And Josh Jacobs was uh, starting to come on towards the end of the season and, and the uh, playoffs. So he, he attracted some attention, but by then most heavy drafts were already over. Yeah, and then when it comes to tight end, you have like the goat TJ Hawkinson finally coming out. So <laughs> right, well, and that's the funny thing too. Hawkinson slipped through the cracks even in some tight end premium, whereas Noah Fant was taken relatively early, and both of them hit. So that's awesome. I'm pretty excited. Go Hawks! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Katie, looking ahead to we're, we won't read through all these players, but yeah. you go to the next like you know second third round. Um, are there players that stand out because where they were picked because they're amazing values or players you think, ah, that was a huge reach. I wouldn't have taken that player. Any, yeah. Any- so I, I do want to mention the last guy on this first page, Chuba Hubbard. Uh, he's going to be a climber. He already is starting to get some hype, some buzz. He's fast. He's from Canada and he plays for Oklahoma state <laughs> as running back. Uh, he's got a good pair of hands on him. Uh, what was funny? This, this, uh, he's, he's, <laughs> he's, from he's from Canada. Like, like well, this guy's from Canada. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> the reason that that's important, though, is after trucking somebody. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the reason that's important is that's why nobody's heard of him because he just moved here from Canada. So it's not like he's been around for a long time. Like you should have heard of him. Like you're going to hear about from some of these other guys. So going to page two, I'm very highly surprised in a tight end premium uh, with two points PPR that Albert Aquabunum from Missouri. Is Nailed it. Like well done. Page seven on uh, our player seven on the second page. Why is he not? He should be before Eno Benjamin. He should be before uh, Tyler Johnson and and uh, Chuba Hubbard even. But other guys, Brian Edwards, criminally criminally underrated. A lot of people. He plays wide receiver for South Carolina. He's a senior. He's at good production. If he tests out great at the combine, the way that we think he will then all systems go. But that's a really good value for him. I like Keyshawn Vaughn uh, and at his value right there, that's not a bad spot, but I would take Trey Sanders before Keyshawn Vaughn. Uh, Trey Sanders, big back from Alabama, freshman coming in. Um, 
So I would take him in that bloodline pedigree over a guy from Vanderbilt. Yes, it's SEC, but come on. They're a baseball team. <laughs> so, so not to not to jump around too much, sure. but a little bit more, of course. So a guy like Brian Edwards uh, coming out of South Carolina, does that affect your value on how you see uh, a guy like Debo Samuel coming out? I don't understand your question. Uh, take it. Take it, because Debo, no, yeah, Debo no, no, because they're on the same but, team, and they had. You right. know, the, uh, so, are you saying that Brian because Edwards Debo just got drafted, that I should feel better about Brian's chances? Is or, that or do you discount Debo coming into this rookie draft because he's been pumped up in a lot of places uh, as as a great you know rookie pick this year? But you know that Brian Edwards was also on that offense last year and decided to stay, and that he's right. kind of an a, elite prospect coming out. Does that help you in the, you know kind of this type of year's rookie draft? Not really. It doesn't really have much bearing. Um, there do tend to be waves with teams that are not normally in the national championship and not, not normally guys that are uh, feeders for the NFL. They have guys sporadically from time to time, but a lot of times they have that one good draft class where they just happen to get a, a bunch of players right and two or three guys will go to the NFL and be fairly successful um, and then they may not have another one for several years. So it doesn't really have a lot of bearing on my rookie or Debbie strategy on taking more than one player from a team or increasing a value from the other guy just because he made it to the NFL. To me, at least, uh, like knowing Brian Edwards was in the background, I guess I didn't pump up Debo as, as much as maybe other people did. I didn't, I so didn't I was... pump him up. I had him behind anyway, so I didn't have him – uh, like if he was around at 204 and later in a rookie draft after Damian Harris, after some of the other guys, I would take Debo Samuel, but I didn't have him in first round like a lot of people did. And I wouldn't even take him early second if Damian Harris is still there as one example. Yeah, but, but Brian Edwards had no effect on that. Okay. Right. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, they actually had very similar statistics last year. If you look, I mean, Debo Samuel's had more touchdowns. Um, that, or Debo Samuel had more touchdowns than Brian Edwards. But I think Brian Edwards, you know, he's got that 6'3 frame. He's, you know, I think 215 pounds. I think, you know, Brian Edwards honestly has a chance to skyrocket up draft boards. Um, and he's a guy I really like at wide receiver. And I think that this is going to be the year for him to put forth that, you know, I think, the you know, 1,000, 1,100 yards. I mean, Last year, sharing the spotlight a little bit with Debo. And I don't know the age difference. I know – I believe Debo was a senior. Um, and I, I, I can't recall an age difference between the two. But I, I think I Debo's do, 24 right now, which is pretty old as a rookie. I think uh, – Yeah. I that think, sounds uh, about Brian, right. Eh? I think Brian's a little bit younger than that. Yeah, like maybe 21 or, or – But anyway, I, I, I really think Brian Edwards has a chance to be a huge riser. Um, I really like that pick on here. I'm kind of surprised, and maybe you can speak to this, Katie. I'm kind of surprised that, you know, you, you see some of these guys, and this kind of speaks to the age, um, because you do see, you know, Ricky Slade and Trey Sanders sneaking onto this list. You know, the, I'm kind of curious about um, the guys that didn't get selected on here. Um, Zach Charbonnet, uh, the running back that's going to be at Michigan, and, and then John Emery. Where, do you think those guys should, you know, looking at this 36 picks deep, do you think, you know, those are a couple guys that should probably have been selected in this draft? Are you, where are you I would on those take, two guys? I would, take, I would take both of those guys over Keyshawn Vaughn, and I like Keyshawn Vaughn 
a lot. And, but that goes to my strategy versus somebody else's. Somebody else would rather have the guy closer to actual NFL playing time versus my guys. I'm going to wait three to four years, potentially even longer with transfers or injuries, red shirting, who knows? There's all kinds of ways that those guys could have a delayed uh, path to the NFL if they make it. Uh, so yeah, I would take them over several of the players on this list and, yeah. and over Ricky Slade, even to be honest, I, I think Ricky's a little bit undersized, not as prototypical as the last couple Penn state running backs. Um, I don't have him in anywhere near the same vein as a Miles Sanders or a Saquon Barkley. I've got a question and, and this completely, uh, Ryan, did you want to ask some about, I was going to ask a question, but it's completely unrelated to this draft. So no, go ahead. I'm going to ask something unrelated to the draft to you. You go ahead. So I wanted to, and I put this on the show sheet. I wanted to ask you about this and um, I'm probably going to butcher the guy's name, but I know I, I've heard you talk about Spencer Rattler, you know, talking about young guys, right? We're going, we're going a ways out here. So, so sprint Spencer Rattler or DJ Uing Angalale. Who, hey, that was nice. Who, who that for, flowed for, off your tongue. Yeah. Bravo. For, for those that don't know, you know, th- these essentially are two. I, well, I think actually, Spencer Rattler is going to be a freshman this year right. at Oklahoma, whereas Uyangalale is going to be a freshman next year. But he's the, you know, he's signed with Clemson and, and is set to, uh, you know, come into Clemson. But, but they're both super, super high profile. How, how do you compare those guys? I know you're high on Rattler. Where's, um, where's DJ as far as, uh, you know, the Debbie landscape for you at quarterback? Okay. Do you remember what I said was a hit rate on Debbie quarterbacks yeah. earlier? 6%. There you go. 6%. So when do I start watching Debbie quarterbacks? Usually at the high school All-America game. So I haven't watched DJ. When I saw the name on there, I just kind of laughed. I was like, is that a real guy? And I Googled him and I did watch a little bit of his film and he looks great. He's a big dude and he's got a heck of an arm. Um, I haven't listened to any interviews yet or done my due diligence, so I can't really comment on do I like him better than Spencer Rattler. But Rattler's one of those guys that when I first saw him, I was like, dude looks, you know, strange. Like, really? That's a quarterback? But as soon as I heard him talk and how serious he was, he, he was a solid student. He was, he was four point, you know, he had a huge, like 3.8 grade point average and played two sports. And uh, he's got a cannon for an arm. He's smart. I watched him in the high school All-American game. I watched him against Graham Mertz and uh, Ryan Holinsky and a lot of the other quarterbacks that are uh, coming in as freshmen. And I just fell in love. And I don't do that very often with quarterbacks, especially not that early. So I've got to watch some of your dude, the Lele dude. I'll just call him Lele for short. (laughs) DJ. That's right. DJ Lele. (laughs) That's it. DJ Lele. Hey, so I don't know if that helped you or not, but I'll look I at him. I was just curious. Yeah, I was just I'll curious. I'll be looking I, for him. Yeah, yeah I don't be, start watching them watch. until they're at least going into their freshman season. So, Oh, that's great. Uh, also, that- Brian, Brian Edwards born November 13th, 1998. So he'll be turning 21 this year. Perfect. Thank you. Great research. I love how this team clicks. <laughs> that's right. No you better team than the Fancy Joes, that's for sure. Hey, hey, Katie, let's talk about some players right now that we think might be high risers. Maybe they're not totally not on, they're, maybe they're t- completely off the radar. You mentioned one with uh, uh, Chuba Hubbard, for example. 
but you know, guys that come to mind for me, I don't know how you feel about them, but like Anthony McFarland at, uh, at Maryland, um, a guy like Max Borgie that's out at Washington state that, you know, knows Christian McCaffrey and has trained with him. And he could be the next CMC if you believe that. <laughs> right. Um, what about a guy like, uh, I'm probably gonna butcher his first name is it Tavian Feaster who was, Oh yeah. You know, Tavian way, Feaster. Yeah. He was um, now gonna be the South Carolina starting running back. He was, uh, you know, highly regarded prospect. He got stuck behind, uh, uh, Travis Etienne and yeah, and, uh, yeah, and, and yeah, yeah. Clemson. So, so those are I'm not you don't have to talk about those three guys in particular, but like, are, who are some guys you see as like high risers that next year they're going to be? Um, right. So I think that Tavian Feaster will seem to have uh, been a phoenix rising from the ashes because he was highly touted coming in as a freshman. For those that played Debbie back then, you probably have shares still, but then he just faded real quick. Sophomore, junior year, really didn't do much. He's been behind the other running backs. Um, and, and so he was going to stay at Clemson. Then he was going to transfer. Then he was going to stay at Clemson. And then he decided to transfer finally. So South Carolina got a good deal with him. And I do think he's going to be a quick riser. Uh, I like Mike Warren out of Cincinnati to be somebody that's going to attract some attention this year. Uh, he's a running back, somebody that you should look at. And... I'm excited about uh, Jaden Hazelwood, the new wide receiver at Oklahoma freshman coming in. I think he could end up uh, starting, even though it's a really crowded depth chart. Uh, you've got a lot of returning veterans. I do think that Jalen Hurts is going to be the quarterback for one season and then hand over the reins to Rattler. Uh, but they've got not only a really great incoming freshman quarterback, they've got two really strong freshman wide receivers, Theo Wees and uh, Jaden Hazelwood. Excellent. Oh, deep Debbie. I like it. Yeah. yeah. So if what, you're willing to wait on a high risk pick, you, you know that they've got Lincoln Riley as a coach and a heck of a quarterback to be with them for the next several years and grow with them. That uh, it's the drumbeat of the, the trade down in the Debbie draft and grab these guys. Right. Exactly. I mean, the, I keep my, if I've got a 30 player taxi squad, guess how many players that I have as Debbie players on my taxi squad? 30. 30. Thank you. I just finished a drop that was six rounds and I had multiple picks in every round. I had gained so many third and fourth and fifth and sixth round picks because people were throwing them away. Uh, you know, let's make this deal. Okay. Throw in a third and fourth and we've got a deal. It's so easy. Even the caveman could do it. So it doesn't hurt to ask, make sure they're later picks. Every Debbie pick do not undersell Here's another example. I had a six-round pick that could have been traded if I wanted to, if I had the right price for it. I had my eye on a particular quarterback, and it's a triple flex league where you can start three quarterbacks. So guess what round value I assessed to that six-round Debbie pick? A first-round valuation. I'm not going to sell, even though it sounds stupid, I've got a six-round pick. I've got a player in mind that if I don't take him right now, guess where he's going to go? He's going to go in the first round of next year's Debbie draft. So I can either use a six round pick on him now, or I can use my first round pick next year. So why would I sell my six round pick if I believe I've got a first round pick caliber player? And that's what a lot of people do. They, they take them lightly and don't even take the pick lightly. It's like Steph Curry. You can hit from anywhere. You can hit from outside. You can hit from deep. I've seen Ezekiel Elliott his, before his freshman season go in like round six of a, of a deep Debbie draft. Um, I've seen lots and lots of really high-value players because they aren't known yet. They go in round six. So 
don't take any pick lightly. Look for the profile. Watch the players. Don't just take somebody else's word for it. Look at them yourself. It adds to the enjoyment of it as well. I love that, Katie. And I also like, you've mentioned this time and time again during this episode, that you listen to interviews and you kind of try to evaluate them to, to see if they're, they're, you know, they, they, they're dedicated to playing football and if they've got the right mindset for it and if they're intelligent and um, all those things. Because that's important, especially with quarterbacks, as we've, as we've talked yeah. about. Because, you know, I, I think, I, I don't know, this is my own, like, personal theory, but I think a guy like Josh Rosen, for example, obviously he has the, the athletic skills to be a quarterback, but I don't know. I like when you hear that guy in interviews, I just think there's just a little bit something I don't say off, but his, I don't know if he has the personality to be an NFL quarterback. Let me just put it that way. Or the mindset to be an NFL quarterback. So. He has, yeah. He's got a, he's a very smart guy, but you're right. His temperament does seem off and, and different for an NFL quarterback than what you would think. Because Zeke Elliott was just crushing those interviews his entire career. <laughs> yeah. I have no idea. But I just, I mean, he I wasn't so crushing worried. interviews. He was crushing. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a, yeah. Is that a segue We're, into talking about Zeke now? No, no, no. Oh, well, okay. I mean, a comment did come up when somebody's like, Zeke will never hold out. That'd be so dumb. And I'm like, well, Zeke might be kind of dumb. So be Well, careful. before, before anyway. we t- – we should talk about Zeke. Uh, I got, no, can I yeah, get, we got to get to Will's thing. guy? No, I, I was trying to I was trying to lob it up for you because Will's <laughs> been dying to ask you about his favorite Debbie prospect, probably. Well, okay. I'm just ready for the next um, more explosive and athletic Jerome Bettis. He's taller, he's faster, he can jump higher, and I don't know what Bettis's weight was, but this dude is a big boy. I'm talking about AJ Dillon from Boston College. He came in, uh, I was looking at UTH's you know, spreadsheet at 245. Uh, Sports Reference has his listed at 250. ESPN has his high school combine stats as a 45440, a 4.18 20-yard shuttle, a 38.6 vert, a massive spark score. And he hasn't really shown that he has you know, receiving chops, but again, it's hard, it's hard with Boston College. You don't really see Boston College a lot on TV. You have to really kind of go after see that film so I, I honestly I have not so I wanted to get your opinion on this is uh you know this uh, Zion Williamson of a man coming into the running back position in college football I like AJ Dillon but I don't love him I do have pause about him uh, you know the the passing game is one of the big question marks and he is a big guy if he's a one-dimensional running back then he's not the kind that we look for in fantasy he's the kind of guy that right now I would be trading because he is still getting good buzz he's getting good production and I just don't know and if I can get somebody if I can turn him into two or three Debbie picks uh, at this point right now you know fairly high where I could get a John Emery plus a Zach Charbonnet plus maybe even Spencer Rattler if it's uh, super flex or something like that man I'd do that all day uh, or if I could turn him into uh, a, a, you know, part of a trade to get a Nikhil Harry or or somebody that's just coming into the NFL, or uh, package him plus something else to get an undervalued prospect right now in Dynasty, where you know that you've got somebody that's going to contribute. I don't know that he's going to be a first round. It it'd be hard. I don't even know if he'll be a day two. He has a lot of talent. 
no, no question. But where he's going in Debbie drafts right now, there's other guys I would rather take the shot on. Yeah, and at, we said that one Debbie draft that, that Ryan posted using like the mid, what, second, late second type of, type of range there. And so that's yeah. why uh, I just I, it was, it, I was just looking at ESPN's recruiting stats on these guys. And I was like, oh, I wonder what A.J. Dillon was because I know he has some hype. And I was like, wait, he is way bigger and way more athletic than I thought. So I was like, oh, this is a guy who's like, maybe he's going to fly under the radar a little bit, you know, but he's going to be one of those combine warriors and he'll jump up. But uh, I wanted to just get excited about uh, A.J. Dillon. Also, looking at what you guys have at UTH without giving too much away, that 2022 running back class, those are some massive men coming into the college uh, scene. I'm very interested to see how that plays out. But you mentioned John Emery from LSU, and you have Tyrion, I assume it's Tyrion Davis, although he's the opposite right. of Tyrion, because uh, he's, he's 6'3", uh, or 6, yeah, he, no, he's 6, sorry, 6'1", is the way inches break out, but 230 as a high schooler coming into college, that's a, that's a massive person. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that you do have to worry about on some of those freshmen, uh, the running backs that are that big, they can get a lot more money if they convert to linebacker. I mean, look at uh, Mm, Devin White, uh, right? Uh, He was a highly touted running back coming out of high school with all those, uh, you know, size and everything that you're just drooling over right now. And then he turned a linebacker because the depth chart was just impossible to break into. And then he, you know, top 10 prospect in the NFL. Money and have a longer career probably. That's so, a good story about uh, Vita Vea, too. Yeah. Going to the Buccaneers, he was, I think, a running back when he was really young. He's like, I don't want to play running back. I don't make any money in the NFL. Yeah, so I mean, to- Jalen Hurts switched to tight end and wide receiver, and now he's got the chops to be able to play all three positions. And I think San Francisco, he's raw, though, so I wouldn't. I like his place in, in rookie drafts. He's like third, fourth round pick, worth a chance if you've got room on the end of your bench. But he's so versatile. If, if they do call him a tight end, for example, and he gets the stats for running back and wide receiver production, I mean, they're using him as an H-back and all over the place. That would be pretty cool. Uh, but so I, I think a, he's listed as a wide receiver right now, though. Yeah, I had a coworker who went to Baylor and talked about the Jalen Hurd recruiting process for Baylor. Basically – uh, Jalen Hurd's people called Baylor and was like, hey, Jalen's driving out to California to go do some workouts. He wants to come and work out for you guys. And Baylor is just like, absolutely. Like, bring him on down. And then he ended up, he ended up going there. It, it was yep. pretty, a pretty, I feel like, wild recruiting process. And they used him all over the place too. Yeah. And I think it was – I didn't notice his, you know, freshman and sophomore year that he was 6'4 as a running back. It's just, yeah. And he's the one that kept Alvin Kamara off the field. The, the person that reminds me most, uh, just situation-wise, of Alvin Kamara is Tavian Feaster that we talked about earlier. Um, similar type. And could he come out of the blue, come out of nowhere, be overlooked in drafts, and, and go in like the second round next year because of all the rest of the talent? That Sure, that, that could easily happen. I could see him going 208 in rookie drafts, um, maybe even on in the third round. But he will be a steal for somebody. I believe. And so a little bit off the cuff here, are you any sort of particular stat snob? So like we have Ryan here who he is a big hand snob. If you have under 10 inch hands, uh, Ryan will not draft you. Is there any, is there any particular uh, feature that you look for in Debbie prospects? Is it uh, any sort of like like what they're doing with the stats that are posted or side, you know, 
So this is subjective. Uh, and Chad Absolutely. and Jordan, uh, Chad, Jordan, and Tim will attest to this. Uh, but my criteria for a running back is he's got to have a steak ass. And it, it's not anything <laughs> that, I mean, you look, you got to see that, that booty and the thighs as a grinding, you know, three down running back in the NFL. If they don't, if baby don't got back, he's not somebody I'm going to draft in Debbie as a running back. If he's just got a skinny little thing and skinny thighs, <laughs> forget about it. No matter what his BMI is like uh, Derek Henry, he's got pretty big thighs, but his calves are like toothpicks and they don't support like he's, he's so big on top and so small on the bottom. Um, okay. Skinnier but. legs, uh, Melvin Gordon, <laughs> Derek Henry. Ah, uh, boy. I've never looked at him side by side. I've not really <laughs> paid attention to Melvin Gordon's legs that much. Uh, in Minnesota too, we call that the steak ass. We call that a hockey butt. Oh, okay. I'm not actually from Minnesota, but I've heard that reference a lot. I guess hockey, <laughs> like watch hockey players. They just have massive butts. Yep. So Saquon Barkley, nonetheless, he's the Baquan. <laughs> <laughs> he's got the baby gap back. I'm, I think I think the jury's still out on Saquon. He might not be good. Yeah, that's where DeAndre <laughs> Swift separates himself from the other 2020 backs, right? I mean, he's got that. He looks. He's gonna him. be fun to watch, man. He's, he's got gonna, that posterior. Yeah, man. He he's a he's a. I'm and, a I'm a big SEC. I'm a University of Florida alum and and a big time i'm sorry big time gator fan and uh <laughs> hey man we're like things are looking things are looking up in gainesville so uh but but you know obviously georgia's the team that i watch uh, very closely and and they just they're just churning out the running back so yeah i think uh, i think he's gonna be special i think i think it's gonna be really interesting this time next year and, and it may not be him but it could be taylor but I think that 101 next year is going to be really interesting in super flex leagues. Oh, Whether sure you go is. with Tua or, you know, like the last couple of years, that, like Saquon was the clear 101 over Baker. Um, and then this past year it was Kyler was the clear 101 over, um, so I, you know, over Jacobs or, or yeah. whoever you like there. And so it'll be interesting next year to see if it's a little closer between, right. the, you know, Tua and, and DeAndre Swift. Cause I think that um, it's going to be exciting. I think one of those guys, the, one of those guys is going to win the Heisman, if you ask me. You know what I think would be kind of sneaky? <laughs> and I heard somebody say this on NFL Network the other day, and I've been thinking this for a while, and I've been talking about it a little bit here and there. I, I think it would be real sneaky if Jalen Hurts wins the Heisman after transferring to Oklahoma, working with Lincoln Riley for a year, but those weapons <laughs> goes back. And so after what he endured at Alabama and then taking the benching so well, and was a team player and came in for an injured Tua and, and still, you know, did he everything. Won that game. Yes. Yes, he did. Just like Tua did in the championship the year before. Uh, but I just think that would be ironic and, and kind of, karma for a kid that that didn't just give up when benched in that situation and stuck with it for one more full year before transferring um and i think that he's got the potential to do that i don't know if you could deal with more oklahoma husband winners uh, <laughs> that would be three in a row it'd be funny yeah do we do we want to i don't know if we want to katie you probably need to get going here soon i know that yeah. we probably do too because we've all had long weeks i think but maybe we should ask you about zeke before we we, we go because i am curious you're you're a cowboys fan 
Yeah. Wh- where where do you see the situation going with, with Zeke? I think that Jerry Jones will eventually pay him. I think Zeke will hold out as long as he needs to. And I'm predicting a month, no more than four weeks into the season. I think that Melvin Gordon will end up holding out longer uh, than Zeke. So, so you, you got buy in Zeke, you're trying to buy in every, all your leagues. You no, think he, no, I'm not. I, I think he's a knucklehead off the field and <laughs> he's just too much drama. You know, I, I, I don't want to, ha- I would rather have Saquon Barkley. And if I can trade Zeke and get, you know, even if I have to pay a little more to get Barkley, I'd rather have a big core piece and then plus a couple of other pieces if I'm going to be selling him, but no, I'm not buying him. He's, he's one of those high risk. He does so many stupid things. I don't, and he's still young and he hasn't changed. He's still stupid. So I don't trust him. I love him as a football player, but it's the off field stuff. That's going to bury him. I like it. No, I, I, I feel the same way. That's one of the things that I talk about a lot on the podcast that I, I get nervous when, when you have players like Zeke that just do really immature things off the field. It just makes me real nervous, especially when they keep repeating it again and again. It's a major red flag. And uh, there, yeah, I mean, he may be one of the most valuable assets in your dynasty league, but if he's not playing for you, <laughs> he doesn't help you very much. And you know, you're trying to win a championship. So I, I hear exactly. you. I hear you. So I usually right. go for like sixth place in my leagues, you know, keep it real <laughs> humble. You know, I'm, I'm in the playoffs anyway. The first the first yeah. and then I can complain about variance. <laughs> <laughs> I sent, I sent some offers for Zeke in a few leagues. I'm buying them. If the, if the owner's selling at a discount, cause as soon as he's back playing, the value's right back where it is now. And then you can flip him if you want. If you can get a discount, if you can buy him for a – if you can give a Dalvin Cook and ha- not have to add much on top and get Zeke, I'm in all day long. No questions asked. If I can – any of those second-round running back, a third round, you know, I, I love on Johnson. Love – if I can add a future second on top of on or a Dante Pettis on top of on and get Zeke, I'm doing it all day long. So, I, you know, I do think – I mean, I agree. I think it's a – it's a concern for sure, but you know, he, he's one of those guys. There are a few difference makers in the, in the NFL that are literally have the potential for, you know, 16 or 1700 total yards and 12 to 15 touchdowns. There's probably five guys that have that potential. And then based on you, you just look at ADP year over year and um, look at the trends and, you know, look at the, the hype and, you know, the, the way that people overreact to news stories. And so I, I do agree. Yeah, I, do you I see all the people jumping off bridges because of the Daryl Henderson news. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like I, you just have to take, you have to take it all in, in stride and stick with your evaluations. And, you know, you, you guys are right that Zeke is definitely a risky asset, but you know, yeah, at the same time, if the person in your league, yeah. Out. Yeah, the person in your league, you know, like it's the, like you said earlier, it's the you know it's the stock market, right? It's it's a portfolio, it's a four hundred one k, and you know there's a buy price for every every player, um, and uh, except Devonte Parker, there's just there's, with with the right with the uh, with the caveat with the caveat of understanding that that player that asset is a hot potato. Yeah, and you don't want to be holding the hot potato when it explodes, and. Yeah. So, because then the value craters and it, you, you're not even going to get close 
Um, but I do agree with you that if somebody's going to throw not Dalvin cook, uh, plus I like that, uh, all day. And obviously now's not the time to sell him. You know, don't, don't right. go out and yeah, sell yeah, him. Yeah. If you, like, if you own him and, and you're wanting to get out of it, kind of like Tyreek Hill, right? Like if you are concerned about Tyreek Hill still, I'm not, I, I remember hearing you on an episode a couple weeks back, Katie, and, and I don't remember if it was a, a you know, one of your general podcasts or, or was it for subscribers only, but I, I really appreciate the regular general, the yeah. general podcast. I really appreciated your perspective and, you know, kind of in, in some ways defending Tyreek, not, not defending what he allegedly did, but defending the fact that it very well may be that it's this, you know, ex-girlfriend now, cause I believe they're separated and yep. you know, that, that she may be the, the, you know, she kind of is the common thread in both of his last major incidences. And so, you know, I, uh, he's a guy I feel a little different, but, but again, like Ryan, you know, Tyree kill and, 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 um, and uh, you know, Joe Mixon and Ezekiel Elliott are kind of all in the same bucket for, you know, guys like Ryan that are a little more risk averse. So if you own Zeke, don't sell now right. for a huge discount because literally in six weeks or eight weeks when he's back on the field, so many of your league mates are going to forget that this even happened. And if he's back on the field, it's because he just got paid and the, the, the contract concern should be completely behind and he's going to be putting up major points. So if you want to move on from Zeke, please, for the love of God, do not sell him right now because you're just not going to get what you could. Um, so. Or if you're going to sell him, shop around. Oh, what kills me yeah. is with, with a Tyreek Hill, I was in a league with, with people that are remote, and he went for uh, – it, it was a third-round pick and Jamison Crowder. And I wanted, I wanted to be like, for, 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 the love that all is, for the love of all that is good, why don't you post that you're selling Tyreek and see what you can get for the highest bidder? Because somebody – I, I would have given you more. Like, it doesn't matter the situation. You could at least have gotten something more. Somebody maybe would give you a second-round pick, which is better than all of that. So, like, uh, coming into 2020, it just, it just shocks me the way people react and, and will take the first offer given to them based on a message sent in, in that trade offer. That's why you've got to be the person sending that first offer, right? Um, I, I mean, I'm with you. It's annoying, but that's why you got to be – and it's hard to do. Um, well, I'm trying to, I want to give advice on like the, the, like, oh, the know, like yes. other dynasty order saying, right. don't, don't snap except the first offer, shop around. Right. <laughs> but, but I think it's a good reminder that that's what I, we should all be doing in our leagues, like sending these like ridiculously lowball offers for Zeke. Cause there may be that one owner that's like super desperate out there. That's like way overreacting. Maybe this is not the best example of hold out. Cause we know he's coming back theoretically, but um, you know, that Terry kill situation in hindsight, I should have been sending out super low ball offers and acquiring him or trying to. And I, I didn't really do that. I was like, Oh, I'm just done. I'm disgusted by this guy. And I should have been more proactive than, you know, hindsight's 2020. Uh, Katie is a UTH, uh, you know, shout out. There's a league I'm in. I, I feel like they might listen to our podcast because I have Zeke in that league and they keep offering me Alexander Madison plus like a 2020 first and a 20, like 22 first for Zeke. Wow. Uh-oh. Yeah. I've never said that on the podcast. No, <laughs> just, like just a, saying that. No, just like a general, like you, they know we love UTH, so they're I, like, oh, okay. They, they know you love Alexander Madison because yeah. Chad does. Yeah. Well, no, just like they're like, oh, here we go. Yeah. Let me give some two futures. 
uh, for a productive Zealand. Yeah, you can't, you can't do that. If you're going to sell Z. Oh, no, not a chance. Right. Do not just do it for picks or uh, I, I had an offer come in for like a 2020 first, a 2021 first, a 2022 first, and then plus a second from each of those years. And I'm like instant decline. Like if they were three or four picks all from the 2020 class, maybe I might consider that. But that's only because then you've got, you know, yeah, a, a much higher percentage chance. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the chance that they're 9, 10, 11, 12 are slim to none. And one of them, even if one is in each of the, the different, you know, one top three, one in the six, but even still, uh, no, you don't trade a good stud for just picks. All right. It's, it's getting late, Kitty. We should get you out of here. So first of all, thanks for coming on with the fancy Joe's. This is, Awesome. This is so much fun. Once again, thank you for inviting me. I've had a blast. Yeah, we'll have to have you. You know, the UTHers are are regulars on the show, so you'll have to come back. (laughs) You got to catch Tim and Jordan. We're regular Joes? Well, when you're on the... I spilled something on my shirt. Does that make me a sloppy Joe? (laughs) (laughs) I like it. Uh, So, Katie, anything you want to talk about? You've been saying that all night. Yeah, that was good. That was good for the very end. I love it. That was great. Great timing. What's um, anything you want to talk about? How can people find you on Twitter? That kind of fun stuff. So, I'm at ff underscore skyler 399 on twitter and i'm sure these guys are going to uh link my name to their tweet about this uh episode so you can see me there as well and i'll retweet it and i'm sure a lot of people will retweet it and uh you can also find me on under the helmet podcast every other week on the regular show and then if you subscribe as a premium subscriber every other week with my deep strategy sessions and uh, more devi content and just strategy 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 that's where the good stuff is gotta subscribe everybody it's worth it um we are at ff joes on twitter we're the fantasy joes we appreciate you listening you can also become a patreon supporter go to patreon.com slash fantasy joes and check it out patreon supporters get a bonus episode twice a month during the off season so you want to check that out so on behalf of trey barrett and will greenwood i'm ryan livergood and we are the fantasy joes keep yourself up in five years